0: Good morning, Saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO Christ for You Anytime, Anywhere. Today is Friday, September the 17th, and we are studying the inspired and true Word of God, and we put on our Christ goggles with Leviticus chapter 4. Oh man, what a week it has been! Full as we look at a book we don't often look at. I've had a number of people when Dr. John Kleinig came on on Monday, and Dr. Kleinig started with this: Why would we study such a weird book like this? Which has been interesting for me to reflect, and for other people who have called in and emailed in and said, "Well, that's a strange way to begin," but it's true because we often don't look at Leviticus, and already in the first three chapters we are not only seeing um, the truth of who we are, but we are seeing the truth of who God is, which is a God of grace who wants us to be holy as he is holy. So what do we have? Burnt offerings, grain offerings, peace offerings, and today we look to the laws for sin offerings. It's something that can be quite confusing because we don't have anything like it nowadays, but it always comes crystal clear when we see Christ, to know that he is holy, and therefore in him we are holy as well. That's what we see, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy Strong Word is generously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Gregory Alms of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Catonsville, Maryland. Pastor Elm Alms, excuse me. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word.
1: Thanks, Brady. Uh, it's really great to be here. Uh, always enjoy it. Enjoy the conversation, the Bible study. It's always fun, and and uh, I always get a lot out of it myself. Just getting ready and and, and having the conversation.
0: Well, thank you, Pastor. So tell us, uh, you're you're a busy guy. It's the beginning of a school year um, in Catonsville, and uh, just, you know, September gets to be busy. So what's going on for you, your family, and the work of the saints at St. Paul?
1: Well, like I said, uh, we do have a school. We have a a large, uh, bustling early childhood center, and a large school goes up to fifth grade. So the last couple of weeks, uh, we started school, and It's always challenging, and our our principal, uh, Mr. Uh, Stan Stigdon, does a great job and has done a great job throughout the pandemic, which we are still dealing with, but uh, are able to offer in-person education. And, uh, of course, the church also, uh, you know, as things have developed and uh, lessened, although getting still still around, we've been um, uh, getting back into a normal sort of rhythm, offering uh, classes and activities, and uh, we had a great uh, church school picnic a couple of weeks ago outside, outdoor worship and picnic, which was wonderful. So, just getting back into the rhythm, you know, staying careful with COVID, but also, you know, um, uh, doing the work of the church and uh, worshiping together, and uh, we're, we're doing well. God is God is blessing us, so we're 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 grateful. Now,
0: tell me this: I know you're near Baltimore. And I don't know if you're a Ravens fan, but that was a tough game on Monday. I don't know if uh, if that makes a difference in your church or not, but boy, I was watching that pretty late. But it was it was a tough game to watch for for Ravens fans at least. So yes,
1: yes. Well, I can't call myself a Ravens fan, but uh, it's in the atmosphere. And <laughs> I didn't watch the game, but I saw that uh, they lost in overtime. So yep. Yep. you know there were plenty of jerseys yesterday when I went to the grocery store because it's Monday night game and everybody's wearing their. Gear, and they are a very, you know, Baltimore pays attention to their football team. You know, the Orioles are the worst baseball team in the major league, but right. the Ravens are, uh, you know, are a pretty good team. So hopefully yeah. uh, they'll rebound the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's fun times. But Pastor, back on the farm, as we say. So well, we're here to study Leviticus 4 and into chapter 5. So Pastor, can you ask the Lord's blessings upon our time and study and prayer?
1: Uh, let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have given us your word, your inspired holy word uh, to lead us to Christ. We pray that as we study your your word in Leviticus, as we hear about uh, the offering for sin, uh, that we might uh, see Jesus and his sacrifice for us more clearly. Uh, guide us by your Holy Spirit, we pray, as we study your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Reminder to our listeners, as we go through Leviticus, there are many questions that will arise. And so I invite you to send us an email. Um, there are many times that I, I pre-record this program, not always live, but we always are going to try to answer your emails that you, call, that you bring in. So kfuo at KFUO.org kfuo at kfuo.org ask any question and we have a rock star a number of guests that will be able to answer that and we'll try to make sure that we address it as we move forward in this wonderful book of holy scripture now pastor today i want to start with this question because i think it's going to help us as we look at it and we've been plowing through this the first few chapters is when i think of an offering I'm thinking of, because it's going to be today's sin offering. Yesterday was a peace offering. And when I think of offering, I think of, I walk into church. Uh, Right now, in our church right now, we have the offering plate in the back, and people will give their offerings then. as kind of a COVID uh, uh, beginning to that. But often you you pass a plate, we bring it to the front during the offertory, and and we we give our gifts to the Lord. That's why I think of an offering for the normal person that's what we think of as offering, and so for us, this is significantly different. So, Pastor, how would if someone came to you and said, "Well, that doesn't sound right. That's not anything like our offering at all"? How would you make a simplistic argument for this offering versus what we have today?
1: Well, you know, that's a great uh, uh, observation, and um, you know, you know, you can kind of do the same and different. I mean, you know, when we offer our offerings, when we give gifts to the church and to the Lord, you know. Um, we give these things to the church, uh, they're offered. And, and indeed, in these, as we're going to see in this chapter, uh, you know, uh, there are people, whether it's priests or or leaders, or just as the text says, common people, you know, they're going to make an offering, whether that's a bull or a goat, they're going to give something uh, to the Lord. So there is that aspect of it. But um, And there are other parts of Scripture in the Old Testament which, have what we might more consider more straightforward just offerings of thanksgiving or praise or something like that. But these offerings take on more of a, are more sacrificial than they are. um, So they involve animal sacrifice and they, and so while there is that offering aspect, um, there are more of less of us to God, uh, part of it as it more is, this is a provision. This is a, a gift from God, ultimately pointing to Christ, whereby our guilt, our sin, uh, is atoned for. And so it's, to use this word, and I use it carefully, uh, it's more sacramental with a small s, more of a God's gift to us. Do this thing. I'm giving you this sacrifice in order to take care of your sin. So sacrifice, offering, those words, um, in this context, um, you know, are are almost synonymous, but it it, it it has a character a little bit of both, but more of a sacrifice, uh, sacrament. You know, God taking care of our sins, less of us of a, us offering something to God um, in praise and thanksgiving. At least this chapter.
0: Absolutely, and I think that really captured it beautifully because when you think of a more sacramental realm meaning a uh, a promise of forgiveness or God's promise, that you see it right in the word, right in the name, uh, sin offerings. So obviously there's sin, it needs to be taken care of. And as we really see as a theme throughout Leviticus is, how does a person who sins become holy in, in the sight of God? And today we see how that would happen, especially when it comes to sins that are not intentionally done. And I want to speak more about that a little bit later. But we have a lot of verses to get through. So, Pastor, I think I'm ready to just start digging into some of the passages sure. right off. You Are you ready?
1: Yes, yes, sir. Let's, all let's right. do it.
0: So, once again, Leviticus chapter 4. Um, we'll be going all through 4 into chapter 5. And a uh, reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, Leviticus chapter 4. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done, and does any one of them, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed, a bull from the herd without blemish, to the Lord Yahweh for a sin offering. I want, I want to stop there. It's kind of a little bit of an awkward stop. I want to stop there because there's a number of things here that I think are going to lay the groundwork for the rest. So first of all, I found it interesting that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, and to me this is just a reminder that when Moses writes this and when he says this, he is not making up something or reinterpreting it for himself. This is literally what the Lord said. To me that has power in that. Any reflections on the Lord literally coming to Moses and speaking and saying, speak this to the people. Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, it just um, <clears throat> reminds us of, of Holy Scripture in general, that, um, that the Lord speaks to us, but he does so through human authors and prophets and apostles. And so um, we can be sure, even though these are obviously, it's a, it's a human book that was uh, written by human people, real human beings. Uh, yet God spoke through them and and what that does and what it does to the Israelites in Leviticus and also for us is it gives us a certainty so the Israelites God's people and um, can be sure that that these things which they are going to be told to do um, these uh, offerings sacrifices rituals are not as you said something that Moses made up um, but they are truly pleasing to God for for Moses is is simply God's spokesman and in the same way you know if we want to make the big jump early on in our show i mean you know if, if we're talking about the sacraments baptism and the lord's supper it's um uh these are things which have god's command behind them so mm. you know it's, it's that same thing this is not something that we make up or you know that we receive by tradition there may be traditions that surround it but but we can be sure that these come from the lord he's pleased with these offerings uh, for the israelites and And it gives them confidence and assurance.
0: And it is the first time in Leviticus where it says that the Lord spoke to Moses specifically. In chapter 1 it says the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. Here it just says the Lord spoke to Moses. I don't think there's a huge difference in that. I didn't see a big distinction in Leviticus. It's just a very powerful statement to remind us that these these are true words. And the Lord, Yahweh himself, would come to him and says, speak to my people. Now here, it's, the sin offerings is intentionally excuse me, intentionally addressing the unintentionality of sin. <laughs> and so yeah. I wanted to um, just break that down a little bit because here's what I've noticed. I want to hear your thoughts. We do have a tendency in our culture to make a distinction of those sins you intentionally did and those sins you didn't. And sometimes, even as Christians, we can make it sound like, well, that's not really a sin because you didn't intentionally do it, unless it's something that affected me or something. You know, you say, well, you didn't intentionally do that, therefore it's no big deal. And so we kind of put a level on sins when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. And clearly, already in Leviticus, during that time of Moses, people were doing the same thing. So the question comes up, okay, all right, so if they do that sin, that needs to be forgiven, but what about those who have unintentionally sinned? So, Pastor, what do you think of, 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 of that distinction that we, we see today, and I think obviously is addressed here in those days? Because it, it is a um, something we tend to do. Any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this uh, this whole chapter, the whole, everything we're going to be talking about today, uh, deals with, um, you know, unintentional sin. So it's very interesting, and it's interesting how seriously chapter 4 and chapter 5 take even unintentional sin and so as you said we you know uh, unintentional sin seem less serious than you know intentional sins and we uh and so we, we kind of deal with them differently but the lord in his perspective you know he's looking at his people and and one thing i think you know for me as in this chapter and in leviticus generally is it's more of a, a group thing, more of a church thing, more of a, if you want to say a national thing, God's people, a group thing that is an individual thing. So unintentional sins, you know, they, they deflect from, they subtract from, they ruin the holiness of God's people who are connected to him. And so they have to be dealt with, whether they're unintentional or intentional. So God is holy. His people need to be holy. And so god is providing through these sacrifices you know an avenue a way for his people to remain holy to remain in communion with him in connection with him and so uh it's, the distinction is less i mean i think in other parts of the old testament there is distinction when it comes to individual relationships between people and the justice system certainly there's you know there's 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 that is taken into account, but here mm-hmm. the, the idea is, you know, this is God's people relating to, to their Creator and Lord, and so uh, whether it's unintentional or intentional, uh, God wants to take care of it so that nothing really blocks or um, uh, uh, separates Him from from His people. And that's, that's a, won-
0: a wonderful way to make that distinction, is because we can take the court of law, that there needs to be that distinction— to our relationship with the lord and and we take that what happens in the courts and then kind of put that into god's uh position as well and that's a dangerous thing i mean i do it all the time you start thinking about the way the world works and then we kind of start there and then go to god as opposed to the other way around and here i think it can be summed up in a simple way that sin needs forgiveness and and here whether it was intentional or, intention, or uh, intentional or unintentional, uh, sin of omission or commission. Um, it needs a sacrifice, it needs forgiveness, and it needs shedding of blood. I mean, that's a theme throughout the scriptures. So I, t- I want to touch right. on that one last thing, to because I think this is very important for us to have on the same page. Anything you want to add to that or clarify as we begin to keep No,
1: reading. just to say sort of an amen to what you said. I mean, <laughs> we can start to kind of do all these... Uh, Uh, the phrase, the legal phrase, you know, just escaped me. But, you know, uh, all these different factors which might lessen my penalty. So, you know, well, you know, I'm a pastor, Lord, so this little sin that I had, well, well, that's not so serious because, you know, I'm doing all this work for you. And so we want to minimize our own sort of sins as if they're not that serious. But for God, as you said, you know, every sin needs forgiveness. Every sin needs atonement. Every sin needs uh, forgiveness. And so, You know, we're not, um, we're, and so that makes it clear here, even though these are unintentional sins, we'll see throughout how seriously God takes them and, and the provision that he makes that they be paid for.
0: Wonderful. So let's, I want to do this. I will read until verse 12 and then break down how this looks, because it talks about the anointed priest. What I read, it's basically the high priest. Um, if he sins, this is the order. This is what needs to happen. So I just want to keep going with a lot of verses. So 4 through 12. He shall bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord Yahweh, and lay his hand on the head of the bull and kill the bull before the Lord. And the anointed priest shall take some of the blood of the bull and bring it into the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle part of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense before the Lord that is in the tent of meeting. And all the rest of the blood of the bull he shall pour out at the base of the altar of the burnt offering that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And all the fat of the bull of the sin offering, he shall remove from it the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys, just as they are taken from the ox of the sacrifice of the peace offerings. And the priest shall burn them on the altar of burnt offering, but the skin of the bull and its flesh with its head, its legs, its entrails, and its dung... All the rest of the bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place to the ash heap, and you shall burn it up on the fire of wood. On the ash heap it shall be burned up. So, Pastor, we've we've covered quite a bit of ground in chapters one through three. But is there anything you want to kind of highlight uh, with the process that they follow, the blood that needs to be? thrown around and what you do with the quote extra stuff when they take it outside the uh, take it outside the camp there's a lot there we've covered quite a bit but I want to see if there's anything you want to highlight
1: sure Um, you know what strikes me is uh, first of all is and you I'm sure have talked about this in the prior um, chapters uh, but you know they're at the tent of meeting Uh, God is truly present there in the tent of meeting as as it says in chapter 4 the Lord spoke to Moses and then In uh, uh, chapter one, the Lord spoke to him from the tent of meeting. So, you know, inside the tabernacle, Ark of the Covenant, all of the things God promises to be present there. And so when this blood is taken uh, and uh, sort of given or offered, you know, in various ways, he shall take some of the blood, verse five, bring it into the tent of meeting, dip his finger, uh, sprinkle the blood, put some of the blood on the horns of the altar and the rest of the blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering. So this sort of this blood is going in all these different places, but the direction is clear. The blood is being offered to God, mm. being given to God. It is an offering, uh, but it's a sacrifice, and it's given to God um, as a as the, the bull has died, as uh, this priest has sinned, the anointed priest who sins. Uh, and so there's a an uh, offering of blood to God. I just want to emphasize that um, for uh, the sins of this priest. And I'm sure we're going to get into more of the, of the theology that's going on here, but uh, it's, it's, it's important to note that, that God is truly present. This isn't just a ritual that's being done and, and, you know, God's up in heaven somewhere, or, you know, this is just something, you know, that the Israelites are making up or, or doing on their own thing. But, but this is uh, a, truly a a, a in the presence of God given to given to God.
0: And it's interesting to me that you have the anointed priest who, from my reading, I want to make sure I'm on the right page here is the high priest of the tent of meeting. Am I correct on that? Is that what you read?
1: Yeah, I believe so. First okay, part.
0: so the high priest, the, the 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 priest of priests, the the pastor of pastors, the the theological leader, right away he lays the groundwork by saying when he's if he sins, which tells us that guess what, even the high priest would sin. I mean, this is something that yeah. some people would have a hard time grabbing their their you know, grabbing their arms around this understanding of everything. So. Even the high priest sins. And this is where you see in Hebrews, where it talks, which we studied right before this, Hebrews talks about that when the high priest would make a sacrifice, he would have to make one for himself, which points us to Jesus, like you already have as well, that, that Jesus didn't need to make a sacrifice for himself because he did not sin. So we, we get this wonderful understanding of all have fallen short of the glory of God, that we're all on the same playing field. Even the high priest needs to do this because even he will unintentionally sin. Now, so that, to me, that's very helpful as we look at all of this. At the same time, there's a procedure that happens here. A lot of blood, which, by the way, would not be uh, clean, would not be a real um, nice smell, I would argue. But I also struck me that everything that was part of this bowl— First of all, it was a bull without blemish, which obviously points us to Christ. Secondly, is that everything that is um, sacrificed needs to have a place because all sin needs to be taken care of. So the blood has a place, the entrails has a place, the kidneys have a place, the, um, the even the dung has a place that it needs to be. Everything needs to be taken care of because all sin needs, needs to be taken care of. So... Pastor, what are your thoughts on, on just the procedure, any other insights you have on, on on this sin offering?
1: Right, I mean, I think you make a good point. It's a, it's a complete offering of the bowl. I mean, nothing is just sort of, um, you know, put in the garbage can or whatever and forgotten about. But every part of the bowl is offered to God. Different parts of the bowl are offered in different ways, sort of according to its cleanliness or appropriateness in the in the tent of meeting but the the blood which of course is is central to the sacrificial system you know life is in the blood and the shedding of blood is is symbolic and is a is an offering of the life of the bull so the blood is is, is central and the blood is offered to god in these various places then you know the various kidneys and fat and so forth are burnt on the altar a burnt offering again the burnt offering the uh, and the thought is that the smoke rises and, and that offering is given to God completely. And then the unclean part, legs, entrails, dung and so forth is carried outside the camp, uh, but also in its own way burned and also offered to God. So this bull gives its complete self is offered. Um, and in as a complete offering uh, for the, for the sin of the priest and um so it's a it's 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 quite a ritual, but it, it points us to the to the um, to the covering the bull gives its life um, in in sacrifice and substitute for the life of priests. And
0: the beauty of it too is so what gets taken out of the camp, and we're gonna see a scene throughout, so just I wanna lay the groundwork. What's taken outside of the camp, outside of of the holy place, is you know, all the stuff that you know, no one wants a head on your plate when you're going to eat, right? No one necessarily wants the legs unless it's been cleaned because legs and the entrails have a lot of stuff that comes out of it and even the dung itself. So you're taking all the stuff that nobody wants. You're not making hot dogs out of it. I, that's kind of a little ploy there. Um, but you're not doing any of that. You're taking it outside for it to be burned. So we didn't. they didn't value this whatsoever. And, of course, this points us to Christ who was taken outside of the camp, taken outside of the city, the holy place. And that's how how powerful that that death death of our Lord is. And what it meant is that he was basically being treated as dung for the sake of our sins. Any thoughts on yeah. that connection to the gospel? I, I love how Dr. Kleine puts this in his commentary.
1: Yeah, right. And um, yes, and we're going to see this over and over. And, you know, this, this connection to Christ. And, of course, the sin, all, I mean, the very sin offering right I mean that's what Jesus is sin offering and as you pointed out you know without blemish you know the, the bull is to be a, 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 a perfect offering so to speak in quotation marks again pointing us forward uh, to Christ so you know and we think of Hebrews chapter 9 you know without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin so that's the point of this you know is that the sin be taken away and the ultimate point of this Sacrifice, as there are all of these in this entire chapter, is pointing us to Christ. That the 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 bull ultimately cannot take away the sins, but it is a picture of a pointing to, pointing forward to that one ultimate sacrifice which does take away our sins, uh, Jesus. You know, and if I can just change the subject just a little, still before mm-hmm. we go on, you know, uh, it's also interesting to me that in in chapter four verse three, that. And this is something we don't think about often when we think about confessing our sins or or Jesus died, we often think about it in individual terms and and this is quite correct. you know that's that's absolutely right. And the Bible teaches that all over the place that that we as individuals are sinful and in order to be fellowship with God restored, we individually have to be uh, forgiven. but but you know in verse three, it says, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people. so, and I think I said this as we started. This is also a a group thing, all right? That our individual sins, whether we're priests or, or anyone, uh, you know, this is a, a matter that that affects the whole the whole church, the whole people of God, and the people of God as a group, you know, come before God. And and so uh, it, it's also interesting because we don't think that way often, and I think it's mm. important just to remember that as
0: well. And that's a great way for us to move forward. But we have to take our break right now. We are studying Leviticus chapter 4 and into chapter 5 with Pastor Gregory Alms of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Catonsville, Maryland. And we will be right back. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. welcome back. We are studying Leviticus chapter 4 with Pastor Gregory Alms. And and Pastor, I wanted to share this little tidbit of why it's important for us with this offering, this this sin offering, excuse me, is the other day I was wearing my clerical collar. I was in a gas station. We call it Quick Trip here in Minnesota. K W I K, not not the Quick Trips in Missouri with a Q, but this is a K. And I was standing in line and I just got done with worship and I was standing there and and uh, you always sometimes you wonder uh, get in line and everything and and I, and I said, "Oh boy, I don't know which one." The gal behind me, I just kind of mentioned this can be confusing, and she said, "Don't worry about it. I'm sure you'll be forgiven." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you know, we, we, we asked for the Lord's grace. I, I, I obviously, I didn't go along into it, but I said, well, as long as I repent, right? And she goes,
1: right, don't right. worry
0: about it, Father. I'm sure you'll be fine. And I was just kind of, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, well, I should sign Leviticus with this gal and show her that we all need forgiveness and we all fall short. But anyways, it was a funny conversation. And that's why I think the first 12 verses is important for us to relate to today, that our pastors— need forgiveness as well and that that our people need forgiveness as well which is why we look to christ so have you ever had anything like that And any thoughts on that story isn't that fun
1: yeah yeah no it's amazing <laughs> that people sometimes and uh subliminally they uh you know these these things that we talk about day in and day out and people may not be in church but you know whether they know it or not it's 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 under the surface you know that you know forgiveness you know justice paying for things, that things have to be taken care of. It's, it's a part of us and part of everyone, whether they know it or not, and sometimes it just pops up.
0: Absolutely, and that's why we all need Jesus, no doubt about it. So
1: yeah, 13
0: um, through 21, we'll continue. Now it goes from the priest to the whole congregation. If the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally, and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, and they do Do any of the things that the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, and they realize their guilt. When the sin which they have committed becomes known, the assembly shall offer a bull from the herd for a sin offering and bring it in the front of the tent of meeting. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord Yahweh, and the bull shall be killed before the Lord Yahweh. Then the anointed priest shall bring some of the blood of the bull into the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord Yahweh in front of the veil. And he shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar that is in the tent of meeting before the Lord Yahweh. And the rest of the blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And all its fat he shall take from it and burn on the altar." Thus he shall do with, do with the bull, as he did with the bull of the sin offering. So shall he do with this. And the priest shall make atonement for them, and they shall be forgiven. And he shall carry the bull outside the camp, and burn it up as he burned the first bull. It is the sin offering for the assembly. So the transition is, first, the anointed priest does it for himself. Then secondly, the sin that has been known publicly now needs atonement and that's very great language at the end what are your what what do you what do you have for us in 13 through 21
1: yeah well you know it's what you said when the thing that is hidden and it becomes known and you know it's interesting in verse 13 the end of the verse says they realize their guilt mm-hmm. um, so it's uh, it's repentance right I mean um, the the sin which has become known and they realize it and they and the Lord's word has been working and they realize their guilt, uh, and that, that just that little bit, of, you know, brings in this, what we call, it's not, the word isn't here, uh, but it's it's repentance, they're, their guilt is known, they're confessing their sins, you know, by doing this ritual which God commands, and they are being forgiven, so while the details obviously are very strange and foreign to us, the you know, we don't do animal sacrifices because Christ has become that sacrifice. But, but the, the rhythm of, well, my, uh, I, I'm face-to-face with my sin. Uh, you know, I, uh, I'm, uh, I realize my guilt. I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for this. I, and, uh, you know, I, I want to be forgiven. I repent. And, and there is a sacrifice for us, too. Our sacrifice is, is Jesus on the cross. But the rhythm of what, you know, we Lutherans like to call law and gospel here it is, you know, my sin is known, repentance, uh, and, and forgiveness. So I think that's a pretty cool thing to see in, in this text as well.
0: And here it's very explicit is what happens. And the priest shall make atonement, verse 20, for them, and they shall be forgiven. This is one yes. of those wonderful moments, because I think we have a tendency also to look at the Old Testament saying there was no forgiveness, and the New Testament, there's nothing but forgiveness. And the reality is, well, guess what? It's been there from the beginning: law, gospel, um, sin, redemption, sin, atonement, those that kind of language. And I love it right here that they yeah. they, they were forgiven, and he carries the yeah, ball all and so forth. Go ahead.
1: The strong language of the priest shall make atonement, and they shall be forgiven. There's no that's a certainty language, and uh, it, just like you said, and it's. Uh, it's very strong it's very good you know another thing that struck me is and it was in the prior section as well and that's this laying on of hands right that the that the priest lays his hands on them because the on the bull because he was the guilty one right in the prior one and here it's the elders of the congregation mm-hmm. the priest doesn't lay his hands on the bull but the elders representing oh. the entire assembly and what's going on is by laying hands on them they are transferring so to speak their sin onto this bull and the bull then is it's being slayed is, is killed is sacrificed and those sins then are on the bull and the bull goes away and another you know perfect picture of jesus we think of john the baptist who, seeing jesus cried out behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world so you know luther uh, has this section where he. You know, he says, you have to ask yourself, you know, where are your sins? Where are my sins? Well, they're not on you anymore. They're not in your heart. They're not on you. They've been transferred. They're on Jesus. And that Lamb of God died, is sacrificed in order to do away with those sins. And we can then put in that wonderful verse, you you know, and Jesus shall make atonement for them, right? And and they are forgiven. So, uh, again, it's just beautiful um, pictures. Of, of christ's work for us and
0: it it shows you the grace of the holy spirit reminding us of our guilt uh, of the sins we've done sometimes it, it hits us right away sometimes it hits us later either way it's a graceful act because then from there it shows us the sacrifice and what would be interesting for me Probably this is something that will have to happen when, uh, when Christ returns and we're able to meet some of the people from the time of Leviticus. But you start to wonder how many people in those days saw this as a way of anticipation for Christ. And at the same time, those who were there when Jesus was sacrificed, for them to, to look around and go, hmm, this seems familiar somehow you know, that they see Jesus being taken away from the camp and everything. Obviously, you know, maybe even then we won't know. It won't matter because we see the final sacrifice right before us, the final sacrifice who takes away the sins of the world right before us. I don't know if I'm going to be worried about acting, asking Moses exactly what he knew, (laughs) but it is something that is so crystal clear. And I give thanks God so much that we're able to see those connections. So crystal clear in this text now as ones who have seen the cross. So I don't know any, any thoughts before we move on on
1: that? and another thing, uh, again, I keep coming back to this verse which uh, you know, they shall make atonement for them and they shall be forgiven. Mm. It also reminds us that when we receive forgiveness, whether it's, you know, the absolution from the pastor, I forgive you your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or however, those are not mere words, you know, that's not just a, you know, a wish or, or, you know, just something we say, but those words, the forgiveness that we receive in absolution or communion or sermon, or when we read the scriptures, that forgiveness is, is located in and anchored in and is a communication of, you know, the very real sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And so um, this Leviticus text with all of the sort of gory details reminds us that forgiveness isn't just a matter of words. God does, doesn't say, well, that's okay, you know, just do what you want. You know, the sin is actually paid for with real blood and real suffering. Um, uh, from, a, a, from, from our Savior who, who does that. And so the forgiveness that we receive um, is, is a real atonement. Atonement has been made, and we receive the, that atonement, the fruits of that atonement uh, in the Word.
0: And that's always a good reminder. This is why we proclaim. Um, is, you proclaim as opposed to explain. Right, that when when you give someone the body and blood of Christ, you say, "This is the body of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins." And for us, in faith, we pray the Holy Spirit helps us remember that it's true. <laughs> that yes, this that's, is right. Real. that's right. That's you right. Know, and sometimes we kind of like, "Wow, well, but 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 no no no, there's no buts. Even the unintentional ones are taken care of here. So let, let's keep moving forward, Pastor. We have still a lot more to go through here, verses 22 uh, through. Oh, excuse me, one second. 22 through 27, I believe it is. 26, excuse me. When a leader sins, doing unintentionally any one of all the things that by the commandments of the Lord Yahweh his God ought not to be done and realizes his guilt, or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring as his offering a goat, a male without blemish, And he shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they killed the burnt offerings before the Lord Yahweh. It is a sin offering. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and pour out the rest of its blood at the base of the altar of the burnt offering. And all its fat he shall burn on the altar like the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. So the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin, and he shall be forgiven. Now we making a transition. I mean, making a, a logical flow here of the anointed priest to the whole congregation. Now to the leaders. Any distinctions or highlights you have from the leader portion of these uh, sin offerings?
1: Well, just to repeat what you had said earlier, that it's um, you know it's interesting to note that you know whether you're a high priest or or an elder of the congregation in Israel, or a, or a leader, uh, you know, we're all in the same boat, right? There's no nobody that's kind of flying above uh, this sinful world. We're all sinners together and reminds us that whether we're pastors or leaders in the church, that, that uh, you know, we're, we're in the same boat also. And um, it is interesting that, uh, you know, the offerings do change, you know, this goes from a bull uh, to a goat and so there is sort of a, a graded sort of system depending on you know your office or your your responsibility in in Israel and and the sacrifice but uh, the principle remains the same that that atonement is made uh, sacrifice is made that's why you know it reminds us that you know when there are there are different responsibilities different uh, offices but you um, the, the sacrifice of Christ is uh, atones for, for all of us.
0: And I like there's a distinction here and I'd like to hear thoughts too in verse 23, it goes from a bull to a goat. Now it is a male without blemish and we'll find out more distinctions later of different sacrificial animals to use. but I do see this as the beginning of showing that God and His grace is making sure, that all people, common people, leaders, uh, priests, uh, those who are rich, who are poor, all people will be able to make a sacrifice that is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So here it's a goat. I just find it interesting that the, the different animals that are there. But ultimately, it, right. I think it points us to Christ, too, that God is a, is a God who gives the sacrifice for everybody, which points us, obviously, to Christ, who has died for all people and all sins. So any, any thoughts on the distinction of animals?
1: Right. I think it's, it's, it's what you said. God provides what is needed. And so um, for each oh. one, as, as you said, as we go on, you know, as we go down the ladder, so to speak, uh, different sacrifices are are um, made available to different people in different walks of life. But again, the emphasis is this is coming from God, right? This is the Lord speaking through Moses, and He is He's giving these uh, sacrifices. And so, behind them all, whether it's a goat or a lamb, or even when we get to the very end, even uh, even uh, grain as a sin offering, right, um, right. Uh, it's it comes from the lord and so you know those people can be sure we can be sure that if it comes from the lord whatever it's eyes of the world i mean people may think oh grain you know you must be a poor person but god has has said you know offer the grain so if god is behind it then we can be sure just like you know we think about baptism and just water what on earth can just a little Mm. sprinkling of water do but God stands behind that water and has made His promise, so uh, we can be sure.
0: And it, and like how you said it so well, that the Lord provides um, the offering. And here, how can we not think about Genesis 22 and Abraham when he takes his son to be sacrificed, and he named that place, "The Lord will provide." For on the mount of yes. the Lord, it shall be provided. <laughs> Once again, it points us to how the Lord provides then for the the offerings here, but also obviously. He'll provide the ram, which we would consider to be Christ um, for our uh, sin offering. So um, let's keep moving forward here, Pastor, 27 through 35. 27 through 35. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally in doing any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done and realizes his guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, He shall bring for his offering a goat, a female without blemish, for his sin which he has committed. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, and kill the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. And the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger, and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour out all the rest of the blood at the base of the altar, and all its fat he shall remove. As the fat is removed from the peace offerings, and the priest shall burn it on the altar for a pleasing aroma to the Lord, and the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be forgiven. If he brings a lamb as his offering for a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish, and lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, and kill it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of a burnt offering and pour out all the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. And all its fat he shall remove as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it on the altar on top of the Lord's food offerings. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed, and he shall be forgiven." So much, much of the same is happening here. Uh, unintentional sins need forgiveness, and it just keeps going. But we have a few differences here. Anything you want to highlight?
1: Well, um, I think the phrase that jumps out at me here is in verse thirty-one, where he says, "The priest shall burn it on the altar for a pleasing aroma to the Lord." And reminds us that that uh, these sacrifices all involve blood, and blood is the central part of this drama, right? I mean read the book of hebrews there's much emphasis on on the blood being offered and and the blood is the heart of the sacrifice but these burnt offerings as well point us to christ so you know when it says you know all that we've we've said over and over we've read that the different parts of the animal are are ultimately burned and and then it says it's a pleasing aroma to the lord and you know i think of you know the ephesians chapter five where it says you know, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That fragrant offering, you know, evokes, reminds us of a burnt offering. Jesus obviously wasn't burnt on the cross, but, you know, just in the same way that these animals are are, are sacrificed completely in a burnt offering, given to God, and is it's pleasing to God, uh, Christ uh, on the cross was was uh, sacrificed and that sacrifice went up and if you know the the language that Paul uses is this, this language of burnt offering a fragrant offering uh, to God and you know in the flood too I think um, you know uh, the Lord said something about this uh, aroma that he, he smells from noah's uh, sacrifice mm-hmm. and uh, uh, promises not to uh, you know to uh, to curse the ground or, or, or flood again so
0: That burnt offering points us to Jesus also. It it makes me think, too, about how busy these priests would be, (laughs) because they go from the burnt offerings to the peace offerings, to all these offerings, and now to the um, sin offerings, that this would be a long time period. I mean, because it it definitely builds off each other, not builds off in the sense of um, you do that one and this one, but they're addressing all the sins possible with these sacrifices, which shows us um these priests had to be pretty tired at the end of the day I would think I don't yeah. know I just I think about the details of that boy that'd be exhausting so Yes um,
1: yes yeah, yeah, that's right I'm tired <laughs> when we just do church right I know exactly yeah. yeah
0: And also God is an equal opportunity um sacrificer you know not only is it the males but also the females without blemish so <laughs> he right. definitely doesn't yeah. just get rid of one um of the sexes in this whole process but it, it ends Chapter 4, and he shall be forgiven. This is an important piece I think we need to highlight often is because people, uh, if you would ask them, what is the heart and soul of the church? That we have a tendency not to make it simple. And here we see it even in the Old Testament. What's the heart and soul of the church? The forgiveness we have by the blood of our Savior. And, and, and yeah. that's what is so beautifully brought together in this. Any last thoughts before we kind of close things out in chapter 5?
1: No, I think you, you, you got it. I mean, this, this uh, um, re- repeat, this almost refrain, you know, atonement and he shall be forgiven. Uh, very, very nice and uh, puts the emphasis, uh, you know, Moses, the Lord through Moses is, is putting the emphasis right, right where we, he wants us to look.
0: Now in chapter five, pastor, this is probably one of my favorite ones because I've been at enough vacation spots or other parts where there are pigeons everywhere, and so I would be support <laughs> of bringing back the uh, the sacrifice of a few pigeons yeah. here or there. But that's I don't want to get in trouble. I'm just that's that's a joke. That was a joke. Right. So, right. 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 Yeah. Chapter five verses. We'll close things out. Verses one through thirteen. If anyone sins in that he hears a public adjuration to testify, though he is a witness whether he has seen or come to know the matter, yet does not speak. He shall bear his iniquity, or if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether a carcass of an unclean wild animal, or a carcass of unclean livestock or a carcass of unclean swarming things, and it is hidden from him, and he has become unclean, and he realizes his guilt, or if he touches human uncleanness, of whatever sort of uncleanness may be with which one becomes unclean, and it is hidden from him. When he comes to know it and realizes his guilt, or if anyone utters with his lips a rash oath to do evil or to do good, any sort of rash oath that people swear, and is hidden from him when he comes to know it and realizes his guilt in any of these, when he realizes his guilt of any of these and confesses a sin that he has committed, He shall bring to the Lord Yahweh as his compensation for the sin that he has committed a female from the flock, a lamb or a goat for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin. But if he cannot afford a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation for the sin that he has committed two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. He shall bring them to the priest. Who shall offer first the one for the sin offering? He shall wring its head from its neck, and he shall never he shall not sever it completely. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar, while the rest of the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. Then he shall offer the second for a burnt offering according to the rule, and the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin that he has committed, and he shall be forgiven. And he cannot. If, but if he cannot afford two turtle doves or two pigeons, then he shall bring as his offering for the sin that he has committed a tenth of the ephah of fine flour for a sin offering. And he shall put no oil in it, and shall put it no frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. He shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take a handful of it as it, a as memorial portion to burn this on the altar, and the Lord's food offerings, it is a sin offering." Thus the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed in any one of these things, and he shall be forgiven. And the remainder shall be for the priest, as in the grain offering. Pastor, we have about uh, two and a half minutes left of our time. How would you break down chapter 5, the first 13 verses?
1: Well, I mean, for me, I mean, there's, you know, the various uh, circumstances, uh, you know, you know, hearing as a public witness or whatever and doesn't do it, and the, the various uncleanness and so forth, but what's interesting to me is as it goes through and, and it goes through the different kinds of offerings, right, so you know, a lamb, if you can't afford a lamb then turtle doves or pigeons and if you can't afford a turtle dove or a pigeon, then, you know, grain, so the emphasis isn't on the absolute necessity of some sort of animal as if this is some magic ritual, and you know, if you you know, you have a magic formula. The emphasis is on, you know, God providing forgiveness and atonement for his people. And so it isn't a magic formula somehow, you know, of course they are to follow all of these words from God uh, uh, correctly and, and in the right way. But what the Lord is doing is, what his His emphasis is, is I want to provide forgiveness for my people. And, and so whether it's a, a bull or a lamb or a goat or even... You know, if someone is poor, they can't afford that. I'll use even grain. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and at the end of each section, no matter what, you know, uh, the the material is what what has been sacrificed. You know, he shall make atonement and he shall be forgiven. And so, God's word, God's desire to provide forgiveness, uh, uh, is is what's going on here, and it's it's quite amazing and. You know, as you start to read it, you think, oh, well, I'm going to go through all of these different sacrifices. This is going to be tedious. But over and over, God's mercy and grace and his, his uh, will to uh, provide atonement and forgiveness um, shines through and, and ultimately points us to Jesus and God's will and intention uh, to communicate the forgiveness of Christ also to us.
0: And it's wonderful. At first reading— you might see it as, well, he's making all these stipulations, making all these rules. But really, when you see it through the lens of the cross, you see a God who is willing to go to all um, to go all out for you and I, that you could easily say, no, nope, only if you have this much money. No, nope, only if you have this position. No, nope, only if you're um, part of this kind of group. No, all of this he lays out, and he shows, first of all, you're all unclean, even if you touch that carcass. Even if you didn't intentionally do this, we pray that the Lord will show us our sin, and even more so, we know that the Lord will show us our Savior. Pastor, this is the end of our time, but I want to ask this question. How would you summarize this chapter and what it means for us today?
1: Well, just in our conversation, and I hate to repeat myself again, but you know, I would point to these, you know, these verses, this refrain, the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be forgiven. Atonement, sin is real. Payment has to be made, justice has to be done, but God provides the sacrifice, as you said, you know, Abraham on the mountain, the Lord shall provide, he provides the sacrifice. Ultimately, that sacrifice is the one, Jesus Christ, and we can be sure that this refrain applies also to us, you know, he shall be forgiven. Atonement has been made when we recognize, turn from our sin, and come to God, Uh, he is not angry. All those sins have been transferred to Jesus and done away with, and we rejoice in His mercy and forgiveness.
0: Pastor Gregory Alms of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Catonsville, Maryland, giving us God's strong word from Leviticus chapter 4. Pastor Alms, thank you again for bringing us the gifts.
1: Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it. appreciate the invitation, and uh, glad to be here.
0: Saints of our Lord, just because you didn't sin intentionally sin needs forgiveness there must be forgiveness there must be blood for God's people he gave them atonement by the blood of a young bull a male goat a sheep some flour. for us don't act like unintentional sin is not sin no it needs blood and it has been shed for you receive this forgiveness no it is true for as it says that the priest did this and their sins were forgiven and that is true for you all on account of Christ I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and may he keep you safe in the palm of his hands.